Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. The multiple champion trainer John Gosden, record-breaking multiple champion trainer John Gosden. Now, we spoke in July you sat in this seat and things were going really pretty well at that point, but I don't suppose even then you could have imagined that the autumn would be quite as golden as it had been, could you? No, the game's a good roller coaster. We had a great Ascot, and we won the Eclipse, and then we went to the July meeting and couldn't find a winner. So, I mean, that's the way the game is. That, that was your only snake well, yeah. in, a, in a year of otherwise fairly, yeah. fairly copious You ask ladders. any trainer and owner, if you throw everything at Ascot, you pr don't try and run some of those back at the July meeting. We always get tempted, and it's always an error. You know, it's rather like the horse that's been prepared for a derby. Don't go rushing back somewhere a few days later. It doesn't work. And just looking at that list of winners there, it just puts it into fairly sharp relief exactly how dominant the season's been for you. Which, which achievement are you most pleased with or proud of? Which, which has given you the most satisfaction? I think, look, overall, the, the night was fascinating for one thing. There were all different owners there. I mean, the, you know, the sprinter and the wonderful lady from Lancashire breeding two Group 1 winners in Lancashire, you know, Maria Niarchos with Alpha Centuri, the Rogers family with the champion Tiro Philly. And then all of ours were different owners, mm. and a lot of them were in a breeders. And I think that was probably the key thing, to, to have people who'd gone through the sweat and the tears of trying to breed horses on farms, their own farms, and then coming through with champions like Alpha Centuri, like Enable, like the sprinter, you know, and then in beyond Nielsen's case with Stradivarius. And I think probably, you know, in Roaring Lion, he was the only one who came from the sales, brilliantly picked at the sales, and phenomenally tough horse, who from the day we sat here after the eclipse got yeah. nothing but bigger, stronger, and harder here, you know, he became a real competitor. And I suppose, yeah, that was exciting, and uh, the getting enabled back. But I'm lucky to have a fantastic team work with me. From you know top to bottom, great team, and uh, and lucky to train for owners who understand horses and have patience. I know you want to deflect the credit, and and I, I understand that, and you want to keep a lot of owners happy as well. But what what was the biggest challenge of the season? What was the what was the the aspect of it that that left you scratching your head the most and thinking, how not, am I going to pick my way through this? Not scratching your head was getting enabled back. I mean, an injury is an injury. And it wasn't a little baby one, you know, it was an injury. It was a bursa. It wasn't a ligament, thank goodness, or a bone, which will heal better mm -hmm. than a ligament. It was a bursa. And uh, Ian Wright, the surgeon at the NEH, did a brilliant job in, in basically sealing it because this bursa was just impinging and filling into the knee. And she, she couldn't properly use the knee after exercise. It would just fill up. And then an hour later, it'd be fine. So it was that was a, something she came back from. Uh, and I think the hardest thing is to get one back from an injury of that. But she's very, very, very determined, Philly. And she meant coming back. But, but along the road, we had a little this, a little that, and then we got her to Kempton. And I think the most difficult thing was then we had a, she got a fever. Mm. And she had to be let out for a week. She was started trotting, a little canter, and then boom. And we were just stuck with her around the time of the open day. I'm probably very lucky that it rained on the open day because I didn't have to bring her out and canter or, or explain to her because I would never bring her out in that weather. And we only just started trotting again. And I think the problem was going to the Ark, having lost the whole benefit of the, of the prep race. So that was getting there was the biggest thing. And Frankie knew we were in trouble showing the race now it's fascinating that he waited and waited and waited and then he goes later than usual and then he'll feel this filly go away from the field and then suddenly she's tiring emptying and coming back and i think the class riding is here and i know you were debating the whip is how he actually puts a stick down and hand rides her picks her up to the line now you watch that
because he knew, presumably, that if he picked his stick up again, yeah. he could have actually it's had not a detrimental gonna, It's not going to help her. It's going to mess her balance up. And it's not going to help her. She's the most genuine filly giving everything. And I think that's class in a rider to know that the thing to do now is to just balance, pick up, show my strength to your strength and help you over the line. A phenomenal ride. And if he'd moved 100 metres earlier, which he normally would have yeah. done, he wouldn't have got there. Meanwhile, James has given his filly a dream run through. I mean, a beautiful ride through. And I thought, here comes the three-year-old getting the weight. We're in trouble here. Do you reflect on and think you were a bit lucky? Perfect trip, we were, perfect ride. I think we were fortunate in that uh, I normally get a horrible draw. Golden Horn in the car park, where she was, mm. Or at Chantilly, they gave us the inside. Everyone hit our marvel. I said, no, no, no. I'm sorry, the track there, that's the track coming out. You've got to turn left out the gate. So actually, it's the worst draw, and Frankie overcame that very quickly. He stood at the stall and said, see that tyre over there? Unless I'm off the rail by then with a horse inside me, I'll be put in the box. I'll never get out, because by the time you go down by the stables into the bend, you can't change your position, Chantilly. That's why Andre Fab one day, I was sitting with him after the arc the year before at Chantilly, Conversation had dried out and was sitting with Prince Saud. And I started saying, oh, at least it's a beautiful race course, Andre. I hate it. I said, sorry. If I had my way, I would blow it up. I said, why is that, Andre? He said, because quite often the best horse does not win. You get on the inside, you are stuck, you cannot get out. Time you get out, the race is finished. So I thought, well, okay, that's a lesson learned. Why do you and Frankie Dettori have such a special relationship? Why do you get on so well? What is it? Well, he came to Rachel and I. With Barney Curley, his great mm. mentor, uh, when he got himself in a touch of a muddle. This is said, early days. Yes, and he told Luca the world was his oyster and he was off, and, uh, and he was going to Hong Kong. Mm. Then he had a little, little incident, and uh, Hong Kong didn't suddenly give him a license. Next thing, he's not going anywhere. And actually, uh, he came, and he's a phenomenal athlete, great rider. He was just young. Everything had come too quickly. He's a highly intelligent fellow, but he knew he was in, you know, got him a bit of a muddle. So I actually went to see Sheikh Mohammed and asked if I could take him on. And he was on, uh, I don't mind telling the truth, he was on a £50,000 a year retainer paid in five installments of 10000 <laughs> And he worked so hard then. He, he arrived on the January morning and I didn't think it was him. He shaved his head. I thought his little devil sent a cousin, you know, but it was Frankie. And he rode 230 winners that year, all weather, 50 before the season started, in sleet and snow and everything. And he showed the real work ethic there. And he went through those three seasons. We got to the third one. I said, be careful. And he came to me in May. We're going for the trials. And he said, I'm exhausted. I said, Frankie, it's a bit early to be exhausted. It's May. Yeah. I said, just turn, take a week's holiday as I did here and come back fresh. And we never tried to do that again, because that's too much for any jockey. But he did it, and then he went to Godolphin. He had the beautiful, wonderful years there. Then that went a little bit. He had a disagreement with the trainer that came in and told him he shouldn't be running such and such a horse. They had a blow-up, so next thing he's, he's left Godolphin. And I'm lucky that uh, William then went to Godolphin, which was great for him. And uh, I got that message from Remembrance Sunday about uh, noon, so they let us listen to this. Actually, I was in the service, of the service with Rachel as the mayor, so I'm the consort. I walk five yards behind. I know my place. Prince, Prince and, I get uh, it, yeah. I got the call, actually, after the service that, that William was going there. So I phoned Frankie at 6 o'clock. I said, I'll see you March the 1st next year, then sending to anyone. And that was suddenly the year of Golden Horn, 2015. Mm -hmm. And look, it's a pleasure to work with him. 
He's highly, highly intelligent. He's brilliant with his horses. He understands them. Great with the staff. Mm. And he's a very good judge in the mornings. And that is a gift. A lot of great jockeys are great jockeys, but they, they're hopeless in the morning, so they can't tell you anything. So he becomes an, a great part of the team. I just have to stop him thinking he's also the trainer as well as the jockey. So it's an advantage and a disadvantage, the fact that he's a good judge, because he gives you great help to you, but no, then it's you, a can, you huge, get carried away with you the You ask any the trainer if they get, you know, you get someone on them. I mean, you take, uh, I was talking to Guy Howard about it, Greville Starkey, phenomenal judge in the morning, so I mean, a lot of them are. I don't want to name names of some jockeys, but the worst ever, they'll lead you right up the wrong path. But uh, Frank is brilliant that way, and he loves it, and he's happy. And when he's happy, he can perform at this, he can go to another level. He's very nervous before often these big races. The arc, we have the thing where we have to walk the track together. We have to stand in the stall, or he's going to be, and then we walk the whole track. Are you superstitious? No, I'm, I am, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not a, generally a superstition person. Prince Khalid was told he shouldn't have green on his colours because it was unlucky. Yeah. He said, in the desert, green is lucky because it's rained. <laughs> I like <Yeah>. green. <laughs> Fair enough. So I'm not particularly superstitious. But you don't, do you have little routines that you like to go through just I'm to kind of just to keep your brain think, in the you right know, place? I think most of us have a touch of OCD. If you've stood in a certain place and it's gone well, you probably don't go and stand somewhere else straight away. But then after you stood at that same place twice more and it hasn't gone well, then you're inclined to shift again. I mean, I think we're all a little bit like that. Right, speaking of which, there's something that's been bothering me now for a couple of weeks since the Breeders' Cup. I was standing about two and a half foot behind you when Enable won the, uh, won the Breeders' Cup turf and you were standing with Rachel. You did not move a muscle for the entire race. Well, you leaned over and said something to Rachel about two, two furlongs out and then you stood back up again, but you did not... You didn't jump up and down. I know it's not necessarily your style. You were completely unmoved, and somebody took a picture and said, I wouldn't like to play poker with this man. Is that because you're so in the zone, or you knew the cameras were on you? Or I'd... I'll, give, uh, I'll let you know a secret. Look, the weight of responsibility was telling heavy, okay? But I'd learnt that if you stand there and try and stay calm and deep breathe, yeah. okay, uh-huh. nobody knows. Otherwise, you can start fiddling about and seeing your nerves, and I just had to stay composed. I was a little concerned how she was well attended by another horse throughout the race, and that's what I was watching. She was being messed around, essentially, she by She was being attended by another companion. horse, and I'll leave it at that, which I thought was a touch unnecessary, but we'll leave it at that. And I actually watched, she was Rachel beside me, and Jay Hovde, mm. who's a great friend of mine, this sort of senior columnist for yep. Racing Form together, and look, it was, yeah, it was a big decision taker there, and... Uh, goes the neck the wrong way, you're in trouble. Um, you said you were, you were feeling pressure. Uh, is that a rarity for you? Or, no, or I think it, or does it I get feel it about days? most races. I was watching races from Wolverhampton last night at the same time as watching one of the great rugby games of all time. What a team. Ireland beating ah, the But Ireland is so fantastic. The way they bring those young players through. Paul O'Connell's my absolute hero. And to see that team play, and there's not an ego egomaniac there at all. Most wonderful team. And I think that it was tipped that they would, they would beat them. And they did. And the All Blacks fought and fought back. I thought it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Dry ball, fast, but played for pleasure as well as oh, hard. I know that it was, but they were playing to entertain both teams. It was absolutely fantastic. And I watched Wolverhampton, and yes, I got nervous <laughs> when they're in the gate. I do. You're bound to. The moment you don't, the moment you don't feel that, in work mornings I'm a bit wound up, and the moment you're not like this, it's time to get out of the game. 
because you've lost the spirit for it. See, the interesting thing about racehorse trainers is that the, the deeper they go into their careers, it seems to me, the more hungry and determined they seem to get. It's con converse to almost any other job where people get to a certain point in their career and they think, right now, it's time to just ease back and, and slow down a bit. It seems to me there's something that drives you guys well, on and on and on and on. I think, you know, if you love horses and you've been given the opportunity to train them, you want the best for them, whatever's right, the best. And so if that's called being hungry, I call that doing a job. But of course, if you've had some fabulous horses, the truth is you know that you know, another enable will probably never come along. doesn't mean you don't aspire to do the very best with every filly that comes in the place. And I don't think you're going to be very good at your job unless you're yearning to do the best for those horses and have the success. The moment you start sitting back and getting idle and saying, I don't have to go to the sales and work the boxes and look at every damn yearling, I haven't got many orders or they'll send them to me anyhow, that's the beginning of a slippery slope. And I've seen that with some trainers and it's a mistake. You've got to stay not openly hungry, but you've got to be out there looking to do the best, looking for nice horses at the sales. If someone says, I remember the first good horse I trained, I had to... Was, uh, was a horse that nobody wanted. He was unsold, 40 grand. He went to Henry Cecil's. Henry said, I don't want him. He had huge flop ears, big, ugly brute. And he was flown into Carolinas and uh, broken in there. And I was phoned by Jackie Getty. This is 1981, too. And she said, would you go and see him? I had 10 horses at the time. Of course I was going to take him, but the deal was I had to go and see him. So back of the plane, you know, Rachel was keeping me then, she was a, a lawyer, I was just an old hustling racehorse trainer getting going, slept on the airport floor, got there. Fascinating, I went to the track, where well, a little track found, and there leaning on the rain was Lucien Lauren, happened to have trained Secretariat, yeah. and he was breaking this horse in, and he was big and ugly, it was February, as a two-year-old, and he already had blinkers on, and I thought, Sir Ivercott will have to geld him. Point is, I went there, he said to me, John, I don't know what it is, but this horse has something, but you won't find it for a time. <laughs> Breezed him Christmas Eve as a two-year-old. He went three-eighths and 36 mm. at Sandra and Eater. I thought, ah, oh. didn't get good till later on. It's a long story, but he wound up winning an Eclipse Award. So never be too hungry to go anywhere to have a look. We talked about awards, talked about the Eclipse Awards. The Eclipse Awards, of course, and um, we were talking about this a moment ago, are voted for. It's all on votes. The Cartier Awards are different scoring systems, so there's points and votes and public votes and what have you. It's an sort of electoral college type thing. If it had just been, say, 100 voters from across the racing industry, do you think Roaring Lion would have beaten Enable? That's a good question. He deserved to because, and the same thing will probably happen in America, because the filly who won the filly mayor turf, Chess, yeah. Brown Trace, yeah, yeah. I think she'll probably pip Enable. Because people will give a vote to a horse that's raced hard throughout the year. One, not just gained the points, but in the case of Roaring Lion, in fairness to him, you know, he hated the spring, it's well documented, but he was at it, out training from February right through until November, and didn't miss a blip, didn't miss a, a day, a dance, guineas, derbies, trials, group ones, older horses, and then in the mud, as you can see there, at... Uh, which he didn't like, uh, at Ascot. So he deserves it from that point of view. And I could see the logic. She does, she, yes, of course she gets the emotional, sentimental vote and she fought her way back. But you've got to say it is about having the 
having to run the whole season, I think. And of course, on, on ratings, neither of them is the best horse in your in your stable, because that honour would be ah. a cracksman for another well, dominant a, performance in the champion yeah. stakes. So yeah, Mr Oppenheimer's not here. How do you square that one? Be, yeah. Uh, look, he, he's put into a number of great performances. In fairness to cracksman, he's, only, he's, he's won eight of his 11 races. He was second in the Irish Derby and was forced wide off a slow pace. He was third in English Derby when he was still immature. And he was second on this track in, on fast ground when he was got rather carried away with the girls. And his mind wasn't on it. He's a phenomenal racehorse. I popped a little semi-blinker on. I made it clear at the time, talking to Secretariat, uh, Northern Dancer, they raced in blinkers, mm -hmm. just yeah. to focus his mind. But he's a phenomenal athlete. The stride on the horse and the power. And uh, he just, you don't leave horses like that six lengths. I mean, the Phillies did the same in America, Enable and Magical. They took that field in a short straight and took ten lengths out of them. It takes some doing to do that. But do you ever, do you ever look back on him and think, how, how did I not win the derby with him? He was that good. I should have won the derby. Oh, lousy training, I should think. Well, this is what I'm getting at. No, I'm being serious. I don't, <laughs> no, uh, I'll tell you exactly what happened. He, uh, he won his first race. Uh, an only race, uh, no mile, took him mm, straight there. Yeah. Good, a good race, good mile made, and good quality horses behind him. Came to the spring, I thought, right, look at the derby, let's go to Epsom. And he beat a fabulously tough horse who died tragically called Permi. Yeah. And he beat, got up and beat him a nose learning. I then was going to the Dante with him, and he was favourite. But I was worried, it's that funny year when the Dante is on very close to the derby, two weeks and two days or something. And I thought, if he gets a hard race... And the Naysmire is one of my favourite tracks, but there's no hiding places. No. They start racing four out. You don't get an easy race at York. And I thought, if I give this horse a hard race now, I won't find him for the derby, because he was still maturing. He, he was a frame of a horse. He hadn't built or rounded out like he did come the autumn. And I thought, if I run him there, and I talked to Mr Oppenheimer, who does whatever, always does what's right for his horses. He understands, and he listens, he says, John, I know we're... We're favourites with Dante. OK, we'll go to the Derby. All right, we did go to the Derby, but what did we go to the Derby? A horse capable of winning? Possibly. But Wings of Eagles was impressive that day. Yeah, he was. But I sent a horse there who wasn't mentally prepared for a race like that. He got in a muddle, he got a little imbalance, and then he stayed on too So late. if you'd had your time again, would you have run him in the Dante? I probably would have risked it, but I didn't want him to go to the Derby and run flat. Permian won the Dante. He went to the Derby and ran flat. Yeah. And, you know, trained by a man who can really make horses tough and hard, Mark Johnson. And then Permian came back and won the King Edward VII. So it was high quality. I think that day Wings of Eagles, I, I heard he'd impressed in work at Ballyard Doyle. And when Wings of Eagles went to the Curragh, it wasn't a well-known fact, but that horse ran with a sesamoid, oh, went in the down. race. Yeah. He broke that. He still finished third. Mm. And Aidan showed me, I went down to Ballydoyle the next day, he showed me the x-rays. I couldn't believe that a horse could finish third in the derby. So you want my opinion? If that happened after Wings of Eagles, he'd have won, the, he'd have won at the Curra by four. You know, he was a brilliant horse. So you, got, you had Cracksman, <coughs> Roaring Lion and Enable. And it, 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 I'm not the first person to point it out that they, they never ran against one another. Is that, is that a problem for the sport, do you think, when, when you get concentrated good horses in, in say, two, three hands? No, no. Look, look uh, at the hurdle race this gonna, afternoon. Is it going to take away from It's an exciting race this afternoon. They're, they're turning up. Um, no, I tell you what happened. We, we had a... The issue this year was clearly, clearly cracks from after 
He ran brilliantly when second in the Prince of Wales on fast. We will, we will wait for the autumn. I prepared him for the King George. Graham was very quick. The hottest summer since 76. Prepared him for the Judmont. Fast ground. Didn't go. I said, I'm not going to prepare him for Leopardstown. We're going for the Ark. And Mr. Oppenheimer and I were determined to go to the Ark and run against Enable. Mm. She'd won a prep. He was in coming back to great form. But there was a problem. This great wadge of rain coming split. And we left him in up until the last yeah. minute. We, he took a 55... He took quite a hit on entry fees, sort of 40,000, 50,000. He was going to get hit again, one percentage of purse, if he didn't run. And I looked and I said, this weather forecast, it's splitting. And it did split. And we only got one mil of rain at Longchamp. And I wasn't happy with the track. I wasn't happy when that horse won the Ghanai. And I think that he wasn't happy. He did, I don't think he was quite the same horse after he came down the hill and the Ghanai cracks him between us. Well, between everyone now. But he, he, you know, he showed a lot of speed and class then. Oh. And I said, I cannot run because what they've done, they've been re-sewing the track because it was a bit of a disaster. Remember the yeah. jockeys refused to ride yeah, in the middle of Yeah, and that's why the they haven't had any racing lessons. Well, then they abandoned it yeah. after the art. The boys told me it was a disaster. And what was happening was the top, the roots were only that far. It was peeling off the top and it was hard underneath. And the result was, you'd just spin your wheels. And I thought, I cannot do this to this horse. I've spent the whole autumn getting it right. And Anthony was fantastic. He was all ready to go. All the bags were packed. And I said, it's not right to run him. It's just not right. And actually, I'm very glad I didn't. Yeah. And then we, but he would have run. And I was getting letters. They must run. They must I meet. Know, yeah. And I agreed with everyone. They should run and meet. But I, if they'd had the 10 mil of rain, I might have done. I might have got through that top bit. But I promise you, when I walked the track with Frankie, I couldn't be the stick went in. And then it stopped. And it was just, I hate slick on top, hard underneath. She overcame it. She won it. Uh, and then the race, just, the, fell, the ground fell apart and they abandoned Longchamp for the rest of the year. And all the races went to Saint-Cloud and Chantilly. So, look, it was a difficult decision. But when you see him win the champion like that, I can't say it was the wrong decision. Yeah. It was a, essentially his entire reputation and his entire career was, ba was based on what was going to happen that last day because if, if it had gone horribly wrong on the last day in the, in the champion stakes then it would have been he would have been one of the great disappointments really of our time wouldn't he? He would but, and I would have said to Rachel quickly start the car yeah. we're out of here I, I saw you at the beginning of Champions Day and you were, you were getting quite fretful because of the ground and the, you had a lot of people to keep happy and well you know beyond understandably was worried about the ground for Stradivarius there he was he'd won the, the stairs bonus why bring him out late I said he's in great form I said, I'm not worried about the ground. I'm more worried about getting boxed in. Uh, and I said, in the end, Houdini got us out of there. But he was worried about it, so I had that to worry about. And we had Lardy Dar running in the, for Andrew and Madeline and, and Corin there. And Lardy Dar is still a big, huge, unfurnished girl. She ran brilliantly, but magical was gone. Coronet ran on well. And then, of course, you got the, the worry of running Roaring Lion at a mile, which he's got the speed for, but on ground he went light. And he managed to overcome that. He was never on the bridle, as she said at any stage. And then he got the worry about Cracksman. Well, I was confident in Cracksman. Mm. Uh, I, I was confident in him. Probably all day, I, he was the one I was most confident about. Because he'd, he'd worked quite brilliantly 12 days before. Do you think that... And I, I don't think you're going to be disloyal to anyone if you, if, you, if you stick your neck out here. In terms of raw, natural brilliance, of all the horses we've been talking about, which one had it? Which one had more fundamental talent? This is not an easy question. Stradivarius is a, is a fabulous stayer. Not a big boy, but a fantastic turn of foot. Oh. Um, 
In the case of, obviously, Roaring Lion, he's shown enormous versatility and guts and got bigger and stronger. Roar ability, Cracksman, fantastic. Enable, you know, a dreamlike filly. You, the truth is that Enable's better at a mile and a half. Cracksman, with, uh, with good ground, mile and a quarter. Cracksman and Roaring Lion would have been a fascinating race. That would have been a fascinating well, race. Good, at a mile and a quarter on good court. ground. I think every horse likes good ground. You know, I mean, enable on good ground, any of them, they love good ground. That's why it's called good ground. It's just when it starts swinging either way, particularly with all the watering of our tracks now. And think of the water that was thrown on the tracks this summer. Mm. And then you get autumn rain, shorter days, damp conditions, nothing dries. Okay, we're going to bring Oliver and, and Dave back in, in in a few moments' time. But before we do, I can't, I can't let you go for the moment without asking you about this two-year-old Dubai warrior given James's peon of praise to Dubai warrior earlier in the program building up all that all that data and profiling saying that there was a massive statistical chance that this was going to be the next Gosden superstar to go by the way to go with two darn hot and Calix and all the rest of them uh, what do you reckon well I would never argue with James on quantitative analysis he's uh, he really thinks things through and yeah time split times well how was time form formed how did Alec Bird first make all his money from nothing with the clock. So I, I fully understand everything he's saying. Look, he's a very nice horse. I don't think he'll ever go well on soft ground. Dan Silly with a low, even action. But I think he's a very nice horse. He's not too darn hot right now. He can't be. That's a very together two-year-old. And Calix was, is incredibly fast. I think the question with Calix is, he's so quick, will he see a mile out? Mm. I think with two down hot, he's, he looks to me pure miler at the moment. I think a mile and a quarter will be within his range. Is two down hot a derby horse? Of what he's shown me, he's just got far too much speed, which is not a bad thing in a racehorse. So maybe this horse might answer that question. So James has put a lot of pressure on me, and I must phone him up and thank him. Well, see, that, see you, you, you've got this nicely worked out again because you've got your champion sprinter for next year in Calix, you've got your miler in, in Too Darn Hot, and you've got your, da your derby horse in Dubai Warrior. So, so if simple, you've got it all worked it? out, it is such a and simple then, game. And they're not yeah. even going to have to run I against mean, each other. Why do I even have to bother to get out of bed in the morning? Yeah, just do it over <laughs> the TV on a laptop. <laughs> Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai.